0: Hey guys, welcome back to 12 O'Clock Talks with Jack and Dave. Today we talk about quality versus speed, being around but not in the way, and asking for help. We hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, and we are back. Welcome back to 12 O'Clock Talks with Jack and Dave. I'm here with Dave. What's up, Jack? Hey, man. Um, work's been busy.
1: Work has been busy.
0: I bet you have a... um very interesting story from work to tell maybe not a story
1: yeah not so much a story just maybe a, scenario. a fun realization
0: okay what was the and realization you had?
1: so here's the situation i was working on a matter and i was on the phone with a client we were discussing something. Well, another client had called while I was on the phone and it was in that client's eyes a immediate problem that needed to be handled now, right? And so young young attorney me didn't recognize this. And so I also have a pretty New to the industry, assistant, and so she screened my call. Saw that I wasn't what available because so she took the the first phone call. So okay, 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 I got you. Like if they call into the office and they ask for me, you don't get me directly. You get my assistant first,
0: and that's called called screening
1: a call. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that way, if it's something that's just not to say. It this way but sometimes some phone calls are a waste of time yeah and so my assistant will buzz me and be like hey so and so is calling do you want to talk to them it's like no tell them i'm not in the office right now mm, okay like like i need to work on other things right now they are not important yeah but you can't tell them that so you're just like oh he's in a meeting right yeah right mm-hmm. and so um So she screened it saw that i was on the phone so she took a message sent me the message didn't have a lot of descriptors of the message which is something we need to work on luckily that phone call that i was on ended pretty soon after i got that message that i missed a phone call call them and (laughs) the assistant that answered the phone on the other side was like oh I told them to say that it was us and you would have dropped everything and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. I wish I would have, like, I just wasn't aware and like just played with it, like mm-hmm. ran with it, you know, whatever. Sure. We'll feed your ego. I don't care. Um. But they were mad. They were real mad about something that was luckily out of my control. Like it was just, A thing and so they were mad and you know sometimes you get on the phone and you call and you yell at people and that's fine well I was given no heads up about it about the anger that I was about to receive okay and so towards the end of the day it's like 20 minutes before I leave like it's the last thing I do and so I just get ripped into by this client to the point where I'm pretty I'm just annoyed by it So I go home and I talk to my sister, talk to my girlfriend about it. And I'm like, yeah, like the one thing I just wish I would have been given the heads up of, hey, these people are mad. Just get ready to get yelled at. You know, like here's your 30 second, take a deep breath, whatever. So the next morning I go and I talk to a more senior assistant who works with one of the bigger partners at the firm and approach her and like, hey, I like your working relationship with this partner. I want to know how you handle like multiple phone calls, how you handle these situations and how you handle angry clients. Like, do you give said partner a heads up? How do you denote something? And she was like, well, blah, 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 blah. But when she started talking about the part where like, if a client's mad, she's like, I don't warn him if a client's mad. I'm like, what? She's like, everybody's mad. It's the industry. It's our job. Nobody calls us in a good mood. I don't know what you expect. And I went, that's pretty fair. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So I was like, because then every single message that I would be given from my assistant would be like, client's upset. And it would just like just waste her time at that point because no one no one calls their attorney with good news. And so it was just a fun. Come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better word, of the profession I got into and knowing that sometimes yeah, like everybody's just going to be mad. And that's just, that is the thing I chose to do.
0: So that, that
1: like, it was just funny. Cause I want, like I was upset that I wasn't giving a warning and it was just because I didn't know better that a warning is unnecessary. If you mm-hmm. get a phone call from somebody they're going to, you just go in assuming they're upset and then you're surprised when they're not rather than being surprised that they are. Right. So. I feel like it
0: almost helps you too. Because if somebody, I remember like <clears throat> when I was still on site and somebody would be like, oh, this parent's like super pissed off. I would go into the call just kind of not giving too much to the call because I didn't want to put myself in a situation where I was becoming emotionally involved as well and a lot of the time like mm-hmm. whether whether it's justified or not like that's a client relationship that you have to make sure that is is upheld and you have to give a good impression set a good example for everybody and so oftentimes going in with like that first bad attitude of oh they're already pissed off what does it matter anyway like mm-hmm. almost hurts you in a way because it changes the way you approach the conversation, whether it's like when you don't know, you're just kind of like, oh, wow, all right. Because then you have to listen and diffuse and understand and then try and continue with the conversation.
1: hmm And I think, and you probably experienced this too, is a lot of the anger, at least from my side of the phone, isn't justified but it's reasonable. Mm. So they are reasonably upset because they don't understand what is going on. Yeah. You know, so it's like, while your anger isn't justified, because if you look at the circumstances and if you just happen to have the knowledge or training that I have, you wouldn't be upset, but I can't hold it against you that you don't. Mm. And so that's kind of been my new approach to it is going if they're upset for something that I screwed up on that's one thing right and I will follow my sword apologize and try to remedy the situation but if they're upset just because they don't understand a process or they don't understand what things mean I will field all of that anger until they're usually winded and not talking anymore and then try to like instead of provide comfort just provide knowledge Mm, yeah you know it's like hey i understand you feeling this way here's what is going on and here's what this means i'm not going to tell you not to feel upset because that's not my job but my job is as your quote-unquote counselor to go a b and c has happened We can take path D, E, or F. If we do D, here's the consequences. If we do E, here's the consequences. If we do F, here's the consequences. I suggest this one, you know? But it's hard to have that conversation as soon as they answer the phone or as soon as you answer the phone because it usually takes about 10, 15 minutes of just sitting and I don't know how else to say it. Maybe, I don't know, like babysitting questions.
0: Well, you just got to like be a pincushion. I think almost. Like you what do you to, mean by a pincushion? Well, like you just have to let people keep sticking you with things and you have to absorb it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take what you've absorbed and understand where they're upset. And then, well, like you said, once they take a second to breathe, not necessarily not be upset. And I think what you said about I think <clears throat> in my personal opinion where a lot of people go wrong in these confrontational talks is that they amplify like the negative feeling that somebody is feeling. So like if somebody called me upset about a lease, it's like okay, you can't be upset with the lease because the lease is objective. It doesn't have any opinions, it doesn't discriminate. Like it is it is the lease. Like the lease is is what it is, right? And just hang with me here because I know you could probably pick apart of lease in your sleep. But the, so somebody would be upset with the lease and they would call complaining about the lease. And when in reality, the thing that they're upset about is it was the miscommunication between one of the staff members about the lease and what is like said within it. And then what they've now been told. And so I think a lot of people <clears throat> get stuck on trying to make someone feel better like try and make someone happy when in reality, like you said, it's just about presenting them with the facts of the situation and giving them the knowledge so that they understand. Because oftentimes it would be like, hey, um, you're not understanding. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't say it like this, but like you would go. You're not understanding this lease correctly. Here is how the lease is read. Here's how like how, what is happening and what's affecting you. And here's where we can go from here. Mm. And they're not necessarily going to be happy with that. But the goal isn't ha- to make them happy. It's to communicate more effectively and give them the knowledge so that this doesn't happen in the future. I think that's that's one of the hardest things in, in diffusing conflict is like acknowledging that somebody's going to feel that way regardless of what mm-hmm. you tell them. Like you could give them the world and they'd still be upset in those first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So do you want an acute benefit, which would be like, I'll just give you a month free of rent, you know, like that doesn't, yeah. sol- that doesn't solve anything. It gives mm-hmm. them like satisfaction in the moment, but you haven't really repaired what you've, the next time the lease conflict comes up again, they're going to expect a month free of rent because it's the same conflict. And it's not even a conflict with the lease. It's a conflict with the communication between the staff and the person. So mm-hmm. if you take the time and you go, Hey, okay. I apologize for what was explained to you um, previously. What was said shouldn't have been said if that is what was said. Um, What we can do is I would like to walk you through the lease and our, you know, our policies and what we go through. And then I'd like to explain the situation that we're in now. And then I would like to explain to you, like, your options going forward. But outside of this, I can't do anything else. And I know that's not the answer. I would say this all the time. I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but it's the only answer I have. And a lot of the time that would like, people would look at me like, what did you just say to me? I'm like, that's the honest, that's the always the God honest truth. Like I have, this is my answer to you. And it's the only one I have. And it's the only one that other people are going to give you. And it was usually really effective, honestly. And just being really honest with people, like on move in days, probably similar to your job, where you don't expect anyone to be happy, like seeking you out as somebody on property. You're not talking to the happiest people. Like, no, Nobody's coming up to you and going, oh, my God, my apartment was amazing. Like, This is incredible. Like, People expect mm-hmm. the best. And if you're talking to someone on one of these move-in days, they are upset. And yeah. I remember it. Um, I was actually in Lubbock, funnily enough. And this dad came up to me. He's like, we've been waiting on Furniture now for four hours. And I was like, he's like, when is it going to get there? And I said, sir, if I could be really honest with you right now, I know we have two teams going around the, both buildings installing furniture and they're probably going to be here till midnight I know you've been waiting for four hours I know the teams are out there but I'm not gonna call them I can't call them right now because they're in the middle of replacing furniture for everybody and he's like I I just don't understand how this, and I looked down I was like I, neither do I sir I've been on property for <laughs> been on the property for two days I'm just here to help with moving day um that is the that is I know it's not the answer you want to hear but it's the only answer I have right now and he looked at me and he's like, oh, man, everything else was just so good. And we just don't have our furniture. <laughs> and then he started to lighten up. He was like, it's almost like the the recognition of like the fact that your problem isn't going to get solved immediately. So you may, you can do two things and a lot of people go the negative route. Like you can choose to still be really pissed off with the situation and just let that like careen throughout your day and through the person you're trying to talk to. But the minute you know you're not going to get anywhere else with that person, like they're not going to push your budge or anything. They're just going to sit there and listen to you and try and give you the information that you need. Then they like go one of two ways. They either keep going really negative or they hop on the, "Ah, all right, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I guess if I need you later, I'll talk to you. You're like, yeah, you will. Like, we're good. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think one of the things, that, at least how I took it, is and this is a lot of the I think the problems that I get into with customer service because I am who I am is the lack of recognition of that my problem is a problem. You know what do you mean? The dad came and said, "Hey, this is a problem," and you go, "You are correct. This is a problem, yeah. but we can't solve it right now because of mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z." Yeah and so going and recognizing with the person and going i agree with you mm-hmm. this is messed up here's what i have and here's the answer and you're not going to like it but the like the key part to me is what you what you are saying is correct yeah. it is a problem the reason that's a problem isn't really like something you understand or you know like and that's where you go into the like let's put knowledge into it we have 30 other units that are getting like furniture. I don't know where you are on the list. I don't want to disrupt them. They're in a groove. And if they just take phone calls from me, it's going to take even longer than midnight. So I can't give you an answer, but the initial part of going, what you're saying is a problem. Mm. I agree with you. But a lot of the times I think when people just lose their mind and say, you call like your cable company. Oh, you know, Sudden, and you Link, go, if
0: you're listening, I despise you,
1: <laughs> And you, you call suddenly and you go, hey, my cable isn't working. And the first action is like, OK, well, what did you do wrong? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's not that this is a problem. It's you screwed something up. Yeah. You know, and instead of it was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That That's not right. That would chill out all of my anger. So yeah just going what you are experiencing is in fact a problem. Here's your solutions or here's my response, but mm-hmm. it's always met with okay, but y-
0: yes, it's you know oh, what I'm saying? like it's like,
1: okay, yeah, you feel that way, but it's not really valid. Did you unplug it and you're like, yeah. I'm going to reach through this phone <laughs> and wrap the cord around your face like I'm so mad. um. But I think the ability to go, yes, what you're experiencing is frustrating. It is a problem. I'm with you on that, and I would love to find a solution. Here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But it sometimes it takes a while, and it takes a lot of just like like you said, getting stuck with pins, being a pin cushion mm-hmm. before you're able to, before you're able to genuinely say. I agree with you because they have to get all of their problem out because if yeah. you cut them off, then it's only half the problem out. the full problem. Yeah.
0: It's also like that That's really so irritates weird. me. Yeah. When people cut me off and if I'm trying to, I know we probably do it a lot to each other on the podcast, but because of the, it's, it's just through zoom. <laughs> so there's no like, yeah. like verbal or like body cues, but when you and I are together, we, we could sit on the couch and talk for three or four hours. And I don't think we go, we interrupt each other like at all. <laughs> There's usually a lot of really long pauses in between sentences <laughs> when we're mm-hmm. communicating with each other. But I feel that whenever I'm on the phone with, uh, I think it was a, it was sudden link one time, and it was a billing issue, and I was like, "Hey, man!" Like I called. Um, so here's what happened. I called, and I asked for a Wi-Fi extender because of the Wi-Fi, my, my calls keep getting dropped, and I work from home. And they were like, oh, yeah, a Wi-Fi extender. We're going to charge extra for that. And I was like, well, okay, wait, hold up. Like, new customers get it free. I was just wondering if you could just send me one, because it seems like the modem's acting up or whatever it is. And they were like, oh, you know, okay, fine. Like, let's, sure, let's do that. And so they sent me a new modem, but then the next month, my bill goes up $60. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't make any sense. And then I tried the Wi-Fi extender out, and it didn't work. It didn't link with my modem. So I was being charged more, and my modem was like, – nothing was working. And so I called, and I was like really frustrated. I was like, hey um, – I wasn't frustrated at that, but I was. I think I was frustrated at the billing. And then I called, and I was like, hey, like my bill went up. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's because you had to change of service. I said, I didn't change any services. What are you talking about? And they said, well, you added a Wi-Fi extender. So, any changes service mid contract means you lose all promotional codes. Dude, when they said that, oh, I, I pretty much blew a top. And it's what you're talking about, though. They're, they're, they're like, well, this is your fault. I was like, I didn't. If I would have known that a three dollar extender would have charged me sixty dollars a month, you really, do you think the logical decision there is for me to get the extender? No, a week later, the Suddenlink technician comes out because my Wi-Fi is acting up. I have had the wrong modem in my house for a year and a half. The modem that I had in my house <laughs> wasn't capable of giving me the internet speeds that I had paid for for the past year. So I called them again and I said, this is what your technician said. Um, you know, is there any way I could get like a refund or anything for the past year? And they said, well, you didn't realize it. So No
1: yeah (laughs) what what
0: What are you talking about and so yeah i'm sure there's i think there's always things that like on the client side or like like being the person who is upset right there's always things you could have done better like and that you can take ownership for like could i have run a wi-fi diagnostic on my wi-fi probably (laughs) but what what need did i have to do that could I, have, um, could I have verified that or read the terms and conditions more clearly and then asked a question about getting a Wi-Fi extender added to my account, whether that was going to Yes, I could have asked that. Like I could have asked multiple questions, and I didn't, and I own that. But I think, I don't know, I think at the end of the day, if people feel like they're being conned or if they're being misled in any way, then it increases like how upset they are. I think the majority of the time, if people have all the information that they feel that they need to make a decision, they will never be upset because they can own the decision. But a lot of the frustrations, I don't know what you experienced, but a lot of the frustrations I experienced were just blatantly because of miscommunication. We were promised X and we didn't receive it, or we were promised Y and we didn't receive it, or we were told this and now it's this. So, like, what's the deal? And a lot of it's spent diffusing that aspect because – it's weird because what's what's happening right now is the case what happened in the past you can't speak to and what's like what's happening in the future hasn't happened yet so like all of these like weird conflict resolution things like nothing is happening and I think that's just just as frustrating for the people in question it's just weird weird position to be in
1: yeah mine isn't so much that type of a upset it's Along the lines of people will have preconceived notions on how something works. And then when they're wrong, they're upset. Mm, Yeah. Or, (laughs) and I think the other thing is, and it makes sense, and it's one of those things that you have to deal with because if you are not in the industry or an industry, it's hard to understand how certain things work. And a lot of the problems that I've seen, and I haven't, obviously, I haven't been licensed very long, but even whenever I was working in the clinic at the school, is television does a weird, has a weird impact on the practice of law in the sense that everyone thinks that problems can get solved in an hour when they take years. And so that's probably the biggest thing for me is you go, they're like, Oh, Hey, here's the problem. I need it solved now. You're like, cool. I'll get back to you in six months. Yeah. And they are reasonably upset because you go, well, well, what the heck i watched bull or law and order and it's done in an hour yeah that's fine but we're dealing with a government entity like i could email them today
0: maybe you can't control they're not gonna respond (laughs) like
1: i don't know what you want me to do and so especially because i worked in the the tax clinic at the, at the law school. And so I was dealing with the IRS and, you know, to appeal a claim or a, a, a decision made by the IRS takes eight months. There was a, a client I closed who had her identity stolen, clearly had her identity stolen, right? Like was working in a small town in Texas and she i think she may have finished high school maybe finished high school right like that was the extent of her okay education well somebody up north was working at a blood diffusion company and they were saying that she worked for it and i looked into this company and you had to have like it was the minimum requirements were a master's in biology or something along like like it was an educated facility. Yeah. Right. Well, they used her identity to, they stole her identity and they, someone at that facility was using her identity. And so the IRS dinged her for unreported income. And okay. that's a pretty, that can turn into a pretty big charge because if you're not reporting your income, but you, your employer is like, you're stealing tax money from the government and the IRS doesn't like that. And so it took three and a half years for us to prove to the IRS that my poor client who was working a cash register at a fast food restaurant in small town, Texas, was not secretly living this double life as a biology scientist doing blood transfusions up north against like it was crazy and it took three years. And so she had to endure this for three years of her tax refunds being taken taken, to like counter set these funds that she wasn't reporting, quote unquote, even though her identity had clearly been stolen. And so you just like, I don't know what to tell you other than the fact that we're working in a system that is not efficient. And so uh, when we finally got it closed, man, she gee, gee, was really thankful. But how do you tell someone who comes to you is like, hey, my identity got stolen. Can you solve it? And you're like, yes, but it's going to take three and a half years.
0: Mm. Like,
1: you're not going to see a tax refund that you personally rely on to feed and clothe your kid for three and a half years because the government's slow
0: we can't can you but
1: but it's like i like what do you want me to say it's like i can call them every day it's not going to move anything faster yeah it's just the system so i deal a lot with those fires of being like we are doing everything we can we're just waiting on other people <laughs> but it's going to take cuz you know you could you could go and have an argument in front of a judge and then take 4 months to to render an opinion really yeah. And it, you just go like, hey, we, we had the hearing. We don't even know who won yet. We're, we just we will find out when the judge tells us it's out of our hands. What, hap- what happens in
0: that time? Like, can somebody be detained for that long? And then they're just waiting. Criminals are to- a whole
1: different thing. Okay, um, okay, okay. I'm going strictly civil. So criminal, you have the right to a speedy trial and okay. all of that. So that's a little more fast tracked but once you get into the appeal process it's different from my understanding um so criminals just different I'm I can only speak on the civil side because I don't I don't touch criminal there yeah do you think that the fact that the system is slow
0: do you think that's okay would you rather have a slow system that works all right or a fast system that Let's more stuff slip through the cracks.
1: I think efficiency. Should be a priority. But I don't think you can be considered efficient if you're too slow. Right, like efficiency is probably in uh, a some equation of quality plus speed. Okay. And I think when it comes to legal matters, quality is more important. Now, to say that everything is perfect would be a lie. Right, like, Well, yeah, nothing's perfect, right? And I don't know of a way to speed up the process, at least from the type of work that I do. Especially because, and I think this is something people take for granted too, is you're not just dealing with, with one person right say me and you get into a dispute like me and you are fighting Mm -hmm. well then we go hire counsel so our our attorneys are now dealing with us and dealing with the other attorney right so now like that's three people for one side three people for another side yeah and then you had the court so now you have a judge and all of that stuff. So you're dealing with those people who also have a hundred other cases to deal with. But I can't just go and not have proof or witnesses or evidence. So now I'm dealing with talking to people who want to talk to me or producing stuff. So now you're dealing with department heads. You're dealing with all this other stuff. And so you just deal with so many different people who have you on different levels of priority that it just bogs everything down.
0: Mm.
1: And so it's kind of the, the human conundrum of the more people you add into it, the slower it's going to get inevitably, but you don't want to not have people involved because then the quality goes down, right? So I like, that's where I go. I don't know how to speed it up. I think if you have a quick case, it's a bad case.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Do you think more lawyers
1: would help? No. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's the lawyers. I think it could be the lawyers. I think some, everybody, I think, Regardless of your profession, I think people run the risk of being overworked, but I don't think it's a lack of lawyers. I think it is just an industry that is in very involved with humans and humans that don't like each other. Like, it's just a conflict industry. So so naturally, it's going to move slowly. Yeah, because people are in their greatest moments, the greatest, and in their worst moments, the worst. So. And most it, people don't consider their day in court their greatest moment. That's fair. So. To put it to put it that way.
0: Unless you're Jim Adler, the Texas Hammer. Every um, day every day's a great day when you're Jim Adler. Dude, those freaking commercials. Class. Hey, um, Jim, if you want to sponsor this, we'll give you a quick shout out. If you guys have been involved in a <laughs> in an 18-wheeler wreck recently called Jim Adler the Texas Hammer. I don't know his phone number, but I'm sure you could drive down any highway in Texas and quickly see it. So you'd be all right.
1: American personal injury lawyers. It's so
0: funny. Um so question. Have you ever had someone um like in your family that you're not close with pass away? Or somebody or somebody that you knew like your parents were like, hey, like this person passed away yes and then you go okay now what how did you how did you did you feel grief did you feel empathetic did you feel how did you feel when you got that news of the person that you knew but you didn't really know indifferent indifferent for everyone or just for that person
1: yeah, you know, if I don't really have a relationship with you. Mm. Um I think I think like the grief that I have towards death is parallel to the level of a relationship I had with that human being. Okay. And so if I didn't have any relationship and say they were just a name, Mm. you know, like a name in stories that I've heard, I would have about the same level of grief as a supporting character in a book dying.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's fair what if the person what if it affected those around you
1: what effect would that have on me yeah zero effect i think i think i could see their grief and recognize it but that's not going to make me sad that's what you're asking right would you um i think it puts me in the unique position to be helpful
0: okay without yeah.
1: being without being hurting yeah, you know, I think
0: yeah, okay. I think that's what so, I was
1: asking. So I would, I would like to consider myself the type of person that just because I'm not hurting doesn't mean I don't recognize other people's pain, and I try to, I try to live or try to take the the position of be around, but not in the way
0: around, but
1: not in the way. And so what I mean by that is when people are going through stressful times or grieving, be there when they, when you need them or when they need you, but don't be so overly coddling or trying to be too helpful that you are now being a hindrance, right? Like, just because everyone's in the kitchen cooking doesn't mean you also need to grab a knife. Sometimes you just need to stand against the wall and wait for someone to hand you a pot.
0: Mm. I really you like know?
1: that. <laughs> so that that would be that would probably be my thing. Is since I'm not emotionally invested, I could go and run errands without it without feeling like I'm not spending time with loved ones or you know not being able to share the memories and because i think those are important things to have and have you ever been to a like a southern baptist funeral no so they're basically picnics okay and what i mean by that is you have the funeral and they're usually in a church and Maybe this isn't true if you get out of smaller West Texas or small town, southern, because, I mean, I've even had it in Colorado. and But you go to the church, you have the funeral, you have the burial. But then you go back to the church and it's basically a potluck lunch where, like, I haven't been to a funeral where fried chicken hasn't been served. wait what yeah like it it was a strange (laughs) thing for me I can't I think I don't I think this was back in undergrad someone mentioned oh you know that cliche was like oh whatever would you go to my funeral and my answer was like yeah I'd bring the fried chicken and to me that was like a term of endearment Mm -hmm. being like I would bring the main course yeah for your dinner and then for people who didn't grow up the way I did, it was like, oh, I'd I'd bring chicken to you for you to know, eat it in the stands, you know, like <laughs> cheer it on, you know, like, it, like you know, it could be misconstrued. But so, oh, man. to circle back to the initial thing was like, That's if bad. I'm not <laughs> grieving, like I could go pick up the chicken, I could go, yeah, you know, I could go run to the store, I could go make sure that you know, all of the the younger kids have their their ties on semi-correctly, you know, like I could go around and do those many things that don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But if you're under that stress of grief, could be considered a monumental mm. breakdown if it doesn't happen, you know, like if a... Eight-year-old Paul Bear doesn't have the right tie on. Yeah. Like, okay, I will go get him a tie real quick from Walmart that is semi-matches. Yeah. I can do that. It's almost like you pick up the slack. Yeah, that would you know, you don't, and that's (laughs) where I go. You're around, but you're not in the way, you're not like seeking out the problems. But if you're standing with your back against the wall, then you can see the problems arise and just fix them without having to like. You know that cliche movie moment where someone starts crying and then they pull out the handkerchief like from their and hand it to them without any context and kind of go back about their day. Yeah. And there's no thank you. There's no acknowledgement. It's just that that is the role I'd want to fill.
0: Mm, okay. That's really good. I like that a lot. It's funny because um I was actually telling Sydney that you you did a good job. You've always been good at that and I've I've always picked up on that and tried to learn from it. Cause I'm somebody who likes to get in there. Or I guess I was. And I just like want to solve problems immediately. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? How can I help you? What's wrong? Can I do this for you? No. Can I do this for you? No. Can I do this for you? No. Go away. It's like, why do you want me to go away? Cause I'm upset. Well, you're upset. I'm here to help you. No, you're not helping. <laughs> why am I not helping? Like it's this like it's this weird cyclical bad thing that always comes like I always end up feeling worse and I'm pretty sure the person I was trying to help would always feel worse um but you do this thing where you go in you're like you would come sometimes come home and you just look at me and you go hey man I'm like hey Dave you know how are you doing because you knew something was up but you never like asked me what was up and I'd be like no I'm I'm good I'm good yeah things are going well and you would you'd pause and you look at me again, you go, how are you really doing? And I don't know why, but that question broke me so many times. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was like the, it was like the, oh my gosh, like why, why does that? Um, And sometimes you wouldn't ask it. You would be like, I'd be like, no, man, I'm like, I'm really, I'm fine. I just, you know, rough day or whatever it may have been like that you saw. And you'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make some dinner. Do you want some? like dude yes because at that moment although i didn't want help cooking or like providing for myself wasn't the first thing on my mind and so i guess that's what you mean by like being around but not in the way it's like i'm already doing this do you want me to just i can do it for you as well you're like yeah sick you're almost like making decisions for people that way they have time to process what's going on in their head and i think that's like that is probably one of the most valuable things that I've learned is how to help people without them telling you that you need this specific form of help, whether it's like vacuuming for your spouse or mopping or tidying up. And I didn't even notice it, but growing up um, with my mom, that's why my mom's such an amazing person. She she never told us the things about her that stressed her out or the things about my dad that stressed, like that didn't stress them out. But like, if these certain things were done, life would be easier for them. And it was little things. Right. And so um, very early on, my dad would like clean my cleats. He would clean my cleats. Every time he, we, he, they, my parents would buy me cleats and I would like leave muddy cleats in the garage. And I'd wake up at 8 a.m. and he's cleaning my cleats the next morning. And sometimes my mom, after my games, I would just go upstairs, play Xbox, and she she'd nudge me and be like, Hey, you should probably clean your cleats. And I'd be like, Oh, fine, I'll go clean my cleats. But it meant the next morning, instead of like cleaning my cleats, my dad wasn't cleaning my cleats like he was either like reading in the front room or watching soccer. And so it's the little, it was those little, it's the little nudges. And like when you you start to sit back and like you said, put your foot up on the wall and just kind of like observe, like you learn the little things that make everyone's lives easier. And it makes when people are going through hard times, because you may not know it because they won't tell you, but like when they do begin to go through them, you know exactly what you can do to take all the weight off of their chest. And that's such a really... I guess you learn it with time, right? But it's it's something you wish you would have learned like so early on because it's so it's so nice, it's a good feeling. And you don't need any gratification for it. Like you don't need a pat on the back because you know yeah. it's
1: helping. Yeah, it's to your point. It's a lot easier for someone who is grieving going through a hard time to accept a sandwich that's made than to ask to have someone make one. Yeah. And so you go, hey, I have an extra sandwich. I'm not going to eat it. If you don't eat it, it's going in the trash. It's a lot easier for that person, even though they know and you know that you made it for them. Yeah. It's a lot easier for them to go, Okay, fine, I'll do like I'll eat this for you. Mm. And it's it's one of those things where and grief is weird that way and sadness is weird that way. Where you convince yourself that, and I do the same thing. I am, I have always been a, a person who refuses to seek outside help for my problems, but you just feel guilty for asking for help for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. And I know that I'm guilty of it because I, I hate asking for help, but I oddly don't, if I'm in a good mood, you know, like if it's, Hey, I want help with something fun or something in, even if it's not fun for the other person, but if it's fun for me. Yeah. uh, But whenever I am in like a bout of depression or, you know, go, struggling with something. The thought of asking someone to, you know, wash dishes for you today. Whereas that is not a big ask on any level. No. Just feels like you're asking them a million dollars for some reason. Yeah. Which is such a weird concept. Do you think it's because
0: when you're down like that you know those things will help you but you just can't bring yourself to do it <clears throat> not you when i say you i mean a general you as a like just people yeah. in general yeah
1: i maybe maybe that is it i see i struggle with it being possibly that because when you are down it is a big task you know it's kind of I, I was reading something the other day and it was what people don't understand about depression is sometimes the biggest one of your day will be the fact that you took a shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you did something for yourself. Yeah. As simple as making sure you were clean because a shower is a self-service. It's for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is maybe that's one of those things because it's, it's hard to, take care of yourself whenever you're feeling that way. And so possibly it feels like it's hard for other people to help you out when you're feeling that way. But I also struggle with the fact that you hear you hear stories about people who become so dependent or so needy That it gets to the point where it's almost expected of other people to do X, Y, and Z for them. That I think I fear that just, at least for me personally, that if I ask someone to do it once, it'll be construed as that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I will say I think the dynamic changes when you move in with somebody. Um, I think initially the first thing, like, firstly, I think <clears throat> you brought up dishes. I think dishes is a really good, like, example of it. If I have to, I'm fine with somebody doing the dishes for me. Like, if I if I was in one of those states, I would be totally cool with them doing it for me. I would never want to ask them to do it. Like, it's almost like you're, oh, I'm not willing to do it for myself, so I don't deserve it from anybody else, right? But it's weird when you move in with someone (laughs) because it can become, like, you talk about the, like, the lazy aspect, right? Like, you don't want to become, it's weird because you both care about different things and neither seem to matter to either person. (laughs) Like, I never cared about making the bed in the morning, but. Now I do, or now I do it because I know it serves somebody else, you know, like, and um, my fiance didn't like, we have a dishwasher, but like, I was typically the one who did the dishes and load the dishwasher and she like, she's cool with it, you know? And so it's like, it, it bounces back and forth between the two. I've never had that fear though, of becoming like, just having, like expecting somebody to, to, to do that. I think we actually had a little, Sid, Sid and I had a little disagreement about it. We were bickering. And oftentimes when you bicker, it's like because there's like an under, like a stupid underlying cause, not stupid, but like really small and little underlying cause. And what it came down to was we were both expecting each other to do certain things and we weren't like saying thank you for them. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It's crazy how much that um like that expectation it drives so much of like why people make decisions and why people get upset with people. Like you would get upset with somebody because you expect them to do it. Like if somebody you get used to somebody doing the dishes and they stop doing the dishes, then you get upset with them for doing it. It's like what? Like you can't mm-hmm. I think that's probably the red flag in that uh asking people to do things for you. Is when you're when you're sitting there looking at the dishes, going, why, why hasn't this person done the dishes yet? That's so stupid. While you're sitting there with nothing to do, looking at the dishes, <laughs> going, yeah. hmm, I wonder if somebody's yeah. going to do these dishes today. But yeah, we you're realized right? we realized that we were just expecting each other to do things, like because I would do the dishes, Sydney would just leave them out, and I'd be like, oh, hey, like I'm cool with doing them. It doesn't upset me that I have to do them. Cause I work from home like, and she works, you know, 10 hour, 12 hour days, (laughs) but she came home and I was like, Hey man, what's going on here? And I think I was doing certain things as well, like leaving certain things out or like, I wasn't cooking before or like prepping dinner before she came home. So she'd get home at like seven and then still have to prep dinner. And then I would ask for dinner when I got home and i was just like oh that's just our routine you know i became to ex- i i started to expect things from her she started to expect things from me and then we started bickering about the things we expected from each other and we realized we were both getting kind of lazy on the things that mattered to each other and uh all that all that to say though like i do think it's difficult to begin to rely on somebody to do certain things in your life and then i also think that like when you're in those when when you're in those moods where you don't want to do any self-servicing like Anything that's like serve yourself. When somebody starts to do the things, it almost helps me. Like if Sydney makes an extra effort to make sure all the dishes are done. If I go out for like six hours and I'm coaching on the weekends, if I come back and she's vacuumed and she doesn't like because she's recognized that I'm just a little bit you know stressed out with schoolwork or whatever it may be. And I get back and the house is clean. It's just a like a like a huge weight off my chest. And although I won't ever ask her directly to do those things, unless I'm like really low, I really appreciate when she does. Yeah. I think it's hard to ask, but it's easy to receive without having to ask. Yeah. Do you think it should be hard to ask? Um, I think there's probably a reason why it is hard to ask. I think it should be if it's a, if it's a binary like yes or no I would lean yes um and I think I'd lean yes because I think it's easy to take advantage of people and I think it's people to feel um easily taken advantage of and once you kind of cross that threshold it's really hard to make up ground the other way I think once somebody feels taken advantage by someone then they start to taper like how much they care. They start to question a little bit. Like yeah. should I should I give this much to this person? Like it doesn't seem like I'm receiving anything. And it doesn't like not I'm not talking material, but like just words of affirmation, like thank yous and I really appreciate you doing this or hey, you know, you've been doing so much for me lately. Let's go do this tonight, like whatever it may be.
1: Just I think reciprocity should... in the relationship.
0: Yeah, I think it should be I think it should be difficult to ask people to do things for you because you have to really understand why you're asking somebody to do it for you. Is it because you don't have time? And then, cause I hate that phrase. Like, Oh, I don't have time. It's like some people genuinely don't have time for things, but if you honestly sat down and looked at how long the task would have taken you that you're about to ask somebody else to do for you, is it because you haven't managed your time well enough or is it just because you simply don't have time? And I think those are two very different things. So I think, yes, it should be difficult because it causes you to, evaluate yourself and why you're not doing it and then also the reasoning behind why you're asking somebody else to do it and then it has to be intentional enough because if it becomes a habit then you start to rely on somebody else for something you should already do for yourself and i think that's kind of dangerous
1: yeah two things i think i agree with you because i think it's it's different to go hey i need you to do this or I would like for you to do this because I can't get to it today. Or I actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Like, Hey, could you help me out with this? Because, or could you, do you mind vacuuming today? Because I'm going to be cleaning, but I don't think I'm going to have time to vacuum Mm -hmm. versus, Hey, I need you to vacuum. Yeah. You know, like you gotta, you can't treat your partner like a child. Right. And then the second thing you said was about the time. Did I tell you about it? Didn't turn into anything, but it did get a glare from me. Um the indoor soccer place that I play at. Did you meet the owners when you went and visited? Um
0: I think I think I did.
1: Kind of yeah. the 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 blonde white lady and then the chubby white guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not that guy. Well, I was talking to him before an indoor game and they had lost my ID card through, I don't know what had happened. So I was just kind of talking with his wife and she was printing me off a new one so that I could play. And we were talking about something and I just mentioned I'd been pretty busy and I I don't tell him what I do. I just was like, yeah, I've been pretty busy with work. And so it's been kind of difficult to get out here and, come out and play just because like you know I just haven't had the time and the owner the the husband was like well we all have the same 24 hours in a day and I looked at him and I was like you're right but I bet my 24 hours are a little more packed than yours are and like, we just stared at each other and the wife luckily diffused it. And was like, well, yeah, like some people are just a little more busy, you know, whatever his name is, Rob, Bob, whatever it is. And I just was like, what a, what a weird comment to make to somebody you don't know yeah. that well yeah. to be like for me to go, yeah, you know, like I am on this team, but I, I haven't made it the last couple of weeks because I've been busy. You know, I just, like, I've, I have had a new work thing and all this other stuff. And to go, and for the response to be like, well, we each have 24 hours in the day. Treating it like it's some, like, serious thing. I was like, dude, <laughs> like, it is C-League co-ed soccer. It is not a priority in my life. I enjoy it. But if it be if it's between playing a soccer game and getting sleep, i'm choosing sleep <laughs>
0: every time <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like it is just not that important to me i i do it for fitness and a little bit of social but not even social yeah. it's more just for fitness like i can get the same endorphin rush by going on a 20 minute run but oh man i was so mad after that yeah i it was just, it was just, I don't, I don't know if it was if disrespectful is the right word, but it felt very disrespectful.
0: What an outlandish comment to make. I think, I think suggesting you, <laughs> there's a huge difference between telling a stranger that everyone has the same 24 hours in like a, in kind of a facetious way, if that's the right word to use. And like telling a friend, like, Hey, you're making dumb excuses for the time you're wasting. <laughs> like, yeah like two it's completely like, different things
1: yeah man i just was like what the heck and for context for people who don't know some like some of the games we play start at 11 15 at night like you finish past midnight so i was like yeah i'm not gonna go and play in that game when i have work in the morning yeah because you get to that work is at what i'm
0: 7 45 right
1: yeah, it's like, that's what I consider busy. Like, am I doing things at 11.15 at night? No, sleeping. but I'm sleeping. <laughs> and that's because I have stuff to do all day. Like, I can't just go play this game and then be dead all next day. That's ridiculous. Oh, it made me so mad. Not mad. It it, it irked me is probably a better word. Irked me with a capital I. Don't tell Dave he needs to uh, use his time more wisely. Everybody, yeah. I was like, like, come on, man. (laughs) Like like my day is planned out in fifteen minute increments. Like we're we're pretty good, pretty good on the twenty four hours. I can tell you about mine. Tell me about yours. You don't (laughs) want to hear about
0: my (laughs) twenty four (laughs) hours.
1: I bill by every eight minutes, like that. I track every eight minutes of my day. So let's talk about it yeah Yeah. same totally same <laughs> that's, what, it, that's why i was like man he doesn't know he doesn't know what i do for a living but it did just go right. even even if i wasn't working okay weird little just side tangent people seem to be more respective of being busy whenever i was a student rather than a professional
0: yeah totally 100 percent which still is a
1: child. You're still a child, and you're allowed to be busy and stressed. But for some reason, after you're in the workforce, you're not allowed to be anymore, which yeah. makes zero sense to me. No, like my stress, my stress has—I don't think it's gone down, but it has changed. Like the energy of my stress has changed. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still just as busy. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. I don't know where where it went, but holy
0: cow i think once people think you're getting paid it's just a different it's like oh no now you're earning your stress you're like uh yeah i think okay
1: it's still stress yeah still stress it's still busy just because i can order off the dollar menu a couple times a week now doesn't change that yeah strange i do think yeah stress
0: has uh Stress definitely manifests in different ways after, in different parts of your life. I think because right now I'm not necessarily stressed with work, but I think the, uh, I wouldn't even say I'm stressed to be honest with you. I wouldn't realize if I was, I think stress is a lot of times, like something you bring on yourself. But then also like there's periods where, like, where you're just more anxious, like more and more time during more longer periods of the day, which doesn't help, which makes you feel stressed. but. Yeah, diff- yeah, stress is definitely different. Maybe we can talk that on the next episode. Yeah, we should do that. We're at time. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to say. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, we have a Gmail account now. Yeah, if you, you want, you have a Gmail. If you want to, eat, well, not a Gmail. We actually own a domain name oh yeah (laughs) we're we're
1: making moves we're we're making professional moves out here everybody i want you to know here here's what i'm gonna say here is my (laughs) psa jack and i got on a phone call yesterday and we did not record it because it was not an hour-long talk and we promise you hour-long talks it was like 45 minutes just shy and we got work done We got ideas placed. We got Mm. things rolling. We have deadlines. We have have (laughs) deadlines. We have crazy um commitments that we have made to each other. And we'll see if they work. (laughs) That sounds funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. David and I have committed to each other. (laughs) We we have we have committed to all sorts of things to keep this thing rolling. Yes, so good things are in the works we got we got an email account jack figured it all out i am still technologically not great well Dave, I,
0: you're the technically the only one with the your name is the only one i haven't made one for my name yet so you're kind of special right now but if you want to email us a if you want to be the first person to email us as you're listening to this right now type it's a team so t-e-a-m at 12 o'clock talks.com. That's our email address. So if you want to be the first person to email us. That'd be pretty cool. Send us some topic ideas. Or if you want to be on the show, just ask us. And yeah. you can be the next we'll guest send interview. you the zoom link. <laughs> we'll send you the zoom link and you can opt on. Um we've got a work schedule figured out. We've got a couple of really cool things in the pipeline. So we're super, super, super excited. I think 12 ones is our deadline. So maybe we'll have a little reveal. We've also decided that we are going to do the Swear Jar giveaway um, on the anniversary of the first podcast episode. So in about six months, we'll do that. And both of us are doing quite well. We're being good on the podcast. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, thank you, everybody, for listening. We always appreciate it. Um, we are closing in on 400 listens, which is kind of cool. Yep. So that's kind of cool. And then, but yeah. So if you want to email us, go ahead and email us. If you want to leave us a review, leave us a review. You want to share us with your friends, share us with your friends. You could do all three if you really wanted to.
1: I think you should do all three. I mean, (laughs) how, how much time? Um, We all have the same 24 hours, right? (laughs) So just go ahead and yeah, we all, do all three.
0: So take to take your five minutes of your twenty four hours and use it on us. Um, on that note, I'm Jack and this is Dave. Yes, sir. It's twelve o'clock talks. Thank you guys for listening. Adios. Bye.